You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Maybe the youths listening are a little confused why we're spending so much time on Thomas Kincaid, but he was the shit. Welcome to Holy Ghosting, a podcast about deconstruction with your middle-aged mom friends. I'm Lindsay, and I had all of the coolest Bibles when I was a kid, from my pink leather-bound Precious Moments Bible to the coolest Bible on the market, which was the Teen Study Bible with the like crayon, like chaotic, colorful drawings. NIV because we did not fuck with that New Living Translation. That shit was it was taken. Too many liberties with the word of the Lord. Oh. How dare they? How dare they? <laughs> and I'm Meg, and there was a period of time for me where I only bought stuff from a Christian bookstore, but I did have a principle. I would not just buy something because somebody slapped a scripture on it, because that is just like, get more creative, you know? <laughs> it's hollow. It's empty. It's performative. Yes. Put a bird on it. Oh, I had that Bible cover with a bird on it, you know, the dove, the yeah. leather Bible cover. Oh, yeah. I wanted it at VBS one year for memorizing the most verses. Of course <laughs> I did. Yeah. One, of, one of many wonderful prizes I won. That's not the thing I went to a Christian bookstore for, though, because I already won it. And I'm Sarai, and I used to go to the Christian bookstore so I could buy those karaoke tapes that you would use to back you up during special music on Sundays. That is, until I got good enough at piano to back myself up because... I decided that those tapes made me a hack after a while. Oh. Hashtag judgmental. That's me <laughs> as a Christian. I got to know, though, what was your – first of all, you bring me back with special music. That's like a core memory unlocked. Things that I had forgotten about. Also, those tapes, man, just the instrumental tapes. You needed them. They were clutch. I feel like there was a lot of Sandy Patty up in that mix. Oh, hell yeah. I had one. Um, that's the Love of God by Sandy Patty because there were children in it. So oh. old people at church have – yeah, it's, it's yeah. a fun thing. Um, what was your number one, like, special music jam? Like, what was the one that brought the house down, Sarai? I need to know. Well, I mean, it's, like, not going to come as a surprise to anyone <laughs> that it was a song written and performed by our Lord and Savior, Amy Grant, mm -hmm. Breath of Heaven. Yes. You know, a teenage yes. girl on Christmas Eve every year singing Ooh. Breath of Heaven from age Brings 15 to approximately down. 34. Wow. It's Not a dry cute. eye in the audience, Never. right? Never. Never. No. Nope. It's a good one. <laughs> Uh, that's incredible. A friend of mine and I were talking about doing, she did like a holiday potluck last year. That was very fun. And this year we were like, let's do a holiday potluck, but everybody has to dress up as their favorite Amy Grant Christmas song. Aww. And, uh, she said, naturally she's going to be breath of heaven. She's going to like, you know, pretend to be pregnant. I, I feel like I got to go tender Tennessee Christmas. I mm -hmm. rev hard for that song. Yep. So 
Also, I was thinking our next high times for the most high, I think that we should do a Christian Christmas music fantasy draft. We should each pick our top five, like draft our top five favorite Christian Christmas songs. Great. What do, you, what do you think, listeners? Should we do this? Patreon only? Sorry, you're going to have to sign up if you want to oh. know who gets the best playlist. You can also subscribe by Apple Podcasts. And we might have to bring a special guest in, like a special musical adjacent kind of a guest. So we'll we'll think on that and see who we can bring in as a surprise. So Ghosties, today we are chatting about consumerism, capitalism, marketing, the way that Christians can be sold anything if there's a verse or a cross on it. We've talked in the past about the jewelry that came out of the purity culture movement. Music, as we know, was a huge reason why all of us went to Christian bookstores. And then there was just a safety element for me that I could buy anything there, that it was, you know, I thought going to good Christian families and that it was like, I don't know, I thought everything that was in there was like from a small Christian business. Um, and that, you know, we you were so, so sweet and so nice. I really like that you turned it in to like a Christian farmer's market experience. Like everything <laughs> yeah. here is artisanal and like someone pressed this vinyl of Amy Grant's greatest hits collection. Yes. <laughs> Someone hand knitted this Thomas Kincaid Bible cover. <laughs> oh, this hand painted only dead fish swim with the stream t shirt is really speaking to me today. <laughs> Those were my favorite. I was obsessed with that shirt. I needed it hard. And I can't find it now. It doesn't exist in the internet. I don't feel like. No, it must. Somebody else can find it. But uh, there was a well, shirt. I'll look for you for Christmas. You won that over like uh, the Lord's Gym t-shirt, you know? Oh, God. yeah. O- over God's uh, doing, Gym. Doing push-ups with the cross on his back. Ugh. You know what? Yeah. Not a good look. It's the original CrossFit. Get it? <laughs> That's good, Odin. <sighs> See, you know what? Christians are creative. Okay? Right? They're we're really not copying good. anyone. Um, we're, we're forging our own improving it we're jesusifying yassifying it jesusifying christian marketing is a huge industry like i did not realize how many people were out there just not christians not believers in any sense of the word either but just understanding what an amazing demographic christians are to sell shit to and i think thomas kincaid as you brought up Linz, was one of the best examples of this where this guy came in with his painter of light shit and somehow turned it Jesus-y. It was cottages and like had nothing to do with the Bible Mm-mm. in any way. But this guy puts a bookmark with his thing on it and a scripture and all of a sudden it's like your favorite Bible bookmark. What the hell? Like what's going on? Why are we I mean- all so susceptible to just like buying a bunch of bullshit because it has a verse on it? I think like you said, it's so different now, like the Christian bookstore industry. I don't know. It probably still exists, but not in the way that when we were kids. I also imagine people get more stuff online, right? I worked at two different Christian bookstores in my day. Nice. Um, and 
mostly I was in it for the music discounts and like yeah. the cool, the like the tooth and nail CDs that nobody else wanted that like just sat on the shelf, like the the demo CDs that would just sit on the shelf for months. And then like finally I'd be- ask my manager, like, can I just have this? Like it's where I discovered Further Seems Forever. Yeah. It's where I, yeah. And I remember like all the knockoff groups coming out and being like, Ugh. like, so I can't remember like when they started making the Christian versions of like the boy bands and the mm-hmm. girl bands. Mm-hmm. I don't remember their names because I didn't listen to them. I was too cool for that. <laughs> but I wasn't too cool. I wasn't too cool to work at a Christian bookstore in Washington Square Mall. Like, I feel like I worked in Christian bookstores in the height yeah. of Thomas Kincaid's powers. Organizing the corner of the Christian bookstore that was like the Thomas Kincaid corner was a fucking nightmare because there was just stuff. It was just like, it was like literally everything could be. Yeah, we threw up cottages and lighthouses yes. and cute little quaint. And you're right, there was nothing Jesus-y about. I think just the fact that there was. I mean, there was. He did a number of churches, the pastoral church scenes. Okay. But I think like <laughs> being the painter of light, everyone just decided that was like the Lord's light or something. Yes, and it was. This was like across demographics. You had. People who were really wealthy would buy the original paintings and have them with – I had a friend who in his house, his mom owned three in a a very fancy room that all had like perfect lighting, gallery lighting over them. Oh, yeah. You had to have a certain light because then it would illuminate. Yes. It was like a dimmer light, but it was a gallery light that also would dim. And so you could see it at different times so that that – God. But just the fact that it was – Bible covers, pillows, bookmarks, blankets, shawls. You you think of it, they'll put Thomas Kincaid on it. He was worth $70 million <laughs> at a certain point. He licensed his shit everywhere. I have heard him compared to, he is like the Christian Indy Warhol. Like mm. he truly was like this weird version of pop art where he just churned out so much shit. Literally, I think it was shit. I think it was terrible. And then, I mean- he also died at the age of like 52 from like alcohol and drug poisoning. So fun, fun fact he there. He's a real scamp. Thomas Kincaid did some scoundrelly things and it was, it's fun. I recommend everyone read his Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> it's really Just funny. go on a Thomas Kincaid deep dive. Yeah, yeah. but I just don't get ha- the the people that Christians decide. And I think, again, because there's nothing controversial in his art, it is safe for the whole family. Mm. And you could walk in. And while there was nothing explicitly Christian about it, you felt good about your purchase. And it's just like Christians will adopt one whole subset that once they decide that something – and I'm sure like Rush Limbaugh probably endorsed it. I don't know if you guys remember, dude. Rush Limbaugh made ties – Oh, yeah. It, back I in the day? That. Okay. Yeah, because he always wore really crazy ties. That was his thing. Yeah, very colorful. My dad definitely had a Rush Limbaugh tire chain. They were expensive. They were not cheap. It was like one of his prized because it was like a stained glass looking, like a bright stained glass looking tie. But yeah, I think any of those people in those circles, if they'd endorse it, then it just it, it became a like a hallmark mm-hmm. of how good of a, even though this guy was doing nothing for Christians, he's about as Christian as Trump is, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like he's adjacent, a, like just because he handshaked a Christian once. So he was like, right. I did it. I'll just say some scripture verses and pad my pockets with your money. It's like, oh, uh, the money, please. Like, yeah, from, the, from Parks money, and Rec. Please. Yes. I think there's also something to be said, like the art being somewhat, well, it's sort of an Americana thing. And I think what 
what Christians sometimes do is also mix up their own kind of patriotic feelings, plus their Christianness, plus their, you know, oh, it's American. Like, I don't think that they're always discriminating about is it is it like from Jesus or not, but because it was sold in Christian bookstores and it became like Christian adjacent, it felt like sanctioned. Mm -hmm. And so that's probably Thomas Kincaid's singular genius is just knowing somehow he ended up shoehorning his way into the Christian market. And that alone made him this incredibly wealthy, famous painter whose art is all over the place for what some reason. And again, like I, I think it's largely because it's unoffensive. I think you guys hit that nail on the head. It just isn't it's not that interesting, but it's also not offensive. It feels safe. It doesn't challenge you. And I also think it's like he figured out what Republicans have figured out. Like Christians have a lot of money mm-hmm. and they have power. And if you get like welcomed into that fold, like you're going to be good to go. You can retire early, you know, like you will you be. You can die a- at 52 and have had an illustrious <laughs> career. An illustrious career. Maybe the youths listening are a little confused why we're spending so much time on Thomas Kincaid, but he was the shit at this time. Like his stuff was everywhere. I don't know if there's somebody like that now. Again, I think it's it's change, which is why I like getting into like current Christian marketing. We don't pay as much attention to it mm-hmm. now because we're like much <laughs> further away from I'm not working in Christian bookstores anymore, y'all. You know, <laughs> I'm not totally sure what's on trend, but I do know like this is why I wanted to talk about like the he gets us marketing campaign that's happening right now, which is very interesting because it's it is trying to reach a younger generation. It feels hipper. So for those who don't know, um, there was a Super Bowl ad last year. I believe it was a $100 million campaign, an ad campaign. Uh, and their aim was to make Jesus the biggest brand in your city, which is oh. just – I think it's Sean Foyt that says, like, we're going to make Jesus famous, like yeah. that thing. Right. It's like, bitch, Jesus is famous. Like, he's very famous. Like, I don't know what's the goal here, but the like – hubris of even saying that, too, is so weirdly – I don't know why Christians are cool with that. <laughs> like, it feels really self-aggrandizing. Jesus needs me. Yeah. Like, Jesus needs me. And I guess, like, obviously, if you're, the end goal is to preach the gospel to every single person in the world so that Jesus can come back and ali- annihilate all the people who haven't accepted him to their hearts, <laughs> then, then, yes, I guess we need to make Jesus more famous. We got to get to those jungles, the people who've never heard of him, apparently. Yeah. So this ad, like I said, $100 million were spent on this ad. We could watch it and then we could talk about maybe the things that um, we could have spent $100 million on. He gets us. Here we He didn't go to college. I never asked for a raise. He didn't wear fancy shoes. I never took out a mortgage. So he worked hard and invested wisely. Not in stocks or bonds, but in others. Uh, okay, first of all, I spent about 15 years in marketing, so I have a real problem <laughs> with this production. Costing $100,000, first of all. No, million. 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 Okay, then that was just the ad placement, okay? They spent like right. yes, $2,000 yeah. on the actual stock photos. Stock yeah. photo ad. Literal okay. stock photos in a slideshow. With a little generic. So Jesus is a guy like mopping a gym? Like, I don't get it. The reason 
that his parents didn't have a will or that he didn't do all this shit is because he was not an American living in our time. Not because he chose not to. I don't know. Like, that's a weird premise for me. And Mm -hmm. then secondly, just the like, Jesus is us. I don't get it. I don't get how he's us based on this ad, I think is where I'm confused. Yeah, and I think they had a couple other videos in the campaign. They did a few different, and I think they would do, like, banners and sports stadiums, but, like, the Super Bowl ad was the big one. And apparently the campaign was – the $100 million spend was donated by a small group of wealthy anonymous families, which is – Interesting. I would love to I would love to know what they could have spent that hundred million dollars on. And the goal, like, so when you go to hegetsus.com, so there's three ways that you can engage. You can have a live chat with someone that's gonna like chat with you and try to save you. Like Jesus. (laughs) Like they were gonna use like an AI Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) That would be amazing. I'm waiting for that. You can text for prayer and positive vibes. Like, listen to that. Like you get vibes with Christianity now. That's unfair. I wish I got vibes. Vibes were not allowed in my youth. Yeah. (laughs) They were satanic. Or you can click through to a Bible reading plan. Because that's what the kids want these days is a Bible reading plan. So that's that was the goal of this hundred million dollar spend. What what do you think about the use who of that is, money? Who did that? Like why? It was anonymous, is what it said. Like, I mean, they worked with an advertising agency, but the money came from an anonymous group of donors. Oh. For who? I'm sorry, is this like is this like mothers of liberty kind of people? Like who it's from something called the Servant Foundation, which is a nonprofit that of course like could amalgamate these donations. And one of the donors is the owner of Hobby Lobby. So Hobby Lobby, Mm. of course, famously. Oh, it came out. Okay. Yeah. And this foundation is based in Kansas. Basically, this campaign started in 2022 at the Super Bowl. And then in Kansas that year in August, they had a referendum on the ballot to amend Kansas's constitution to make abortion essentially like impossible. And the voters rejected it. And so what I'm kind of getting at, which will surprise zero people, is that most of the time with these kinds of things, then I, I want to understand where they're getting the money for it and what the input impetus behind it is. And what I'm looking at in this ad is like this coded language about working hard and not having any help and bootstraps, blah, blah. It's very American. And it's also like feels very white people to me, but there are also, you know, black folks that are in the slideshow here and there. Um, But it definitely is sort of working class white people focused. And so when that's the case, to me, it's usually something about politics. And what a surprise. It's about reproductive rights again, probably, question mark. I mean... I'm sure that's part of it because it's so much of this is fear based and it's, you know, everything that Christians do is so reactionary, right? They're reacting to the culture and they're this ad campaign, like someone who was part of the ad agency was interviewed and said, like, you know, all these young people are leaving the faith and they're leaving the church. And so we got to get them back in. So we got to hire this fancy ad agency, right? To make this, he gets us like, because it's, they think it's palatable, right? It's like not, it's not the like, anti-abortion billboards that are all over Portland right now, which that's a whole nother thing. But like, 
it's saying this is what this ad exec said that like Jesus crafted his language and his storytelling to resonate with people. So now it's funny because I feel like when I was growing up, changing your tactics to like fit with the culture was not okay. Mm-hmm. Like we had to stand out from the world, right? And we couldn't. I feel like there's a term that Christians throw around that I am not. I'm too far gone. <laughs> I don't remember it. But where it's Be in you know, the world, but not of the right, world. Exactly. You know. I mean, it's like what they say about Christians who become affirming, right? That like you're succumbing to like the culture wars, and that mm-hmm. you're. But this is saying that Jesus crafted his language and storytelling to resonate with people. He told agricultural stories to farmers. He told <laughs> fish stories to fishermen, and so. The culture is immersed in media, and so we're using media to reach them for Christ. Amazing. Jesus really invented knowing your audience. Like, what a guy. I'm so annoyed, though. I don't feel like they know the audience. Well, actually, okay, let me back up. The audience that they know are cis, white, heteronorm, like, adults that were featured yeah. in these images. Who are watching football. I don't understand how they're making any connection to a younger demographic at all with this video. Like, it's black and white stock photography with, like, a movie guy, trust me, voiceover guy. Or I wish they would have saved the money that they paid and actually, like, invested it in communities and f- fed people or housed people. You know, there is a housing crisis in this country. So it'd be cool if we could just take $100 million and build some houses. That'd be nice. Wouldn't Look, hurt. I just feel like if I am going to step in as a Christian, if I'm going to step into the world and be like, where am I going to make an impact – I would not think that spending $100 million on a Super Bowl ad is the way to like, I don't know, like, is that Jesus? They think so. They're like, this is what Jesus would buy. Jesus would buy this ad. He would buy this ad. He would not buy houses. He doesn't want to house people. Because those people, like, they did it to themselves. The poor aren't working hard enough, right? See, Jesus did work hard. He never asked for a raise. He was out there (laughs) pounding nails into boards. That was so gross. Jesus never asked for a raise, but he still gave 10% to the church. Like, what is this? I mean, he didn't ask for a raise, but he did get raised from the dead. I thought you were going to say he did get raised up on a cross because that was I was going to say that, but that was too macabre. And I just the dark version. (laughs) Just straight to the better punchline. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. I think for me, I started to get disillusioned by Christian marketing when I realized that there was a group in the town that I moved to in high school called the Parable Group, and they were a Christian marketing agency, which helped churches and brands that had Christian goals in mind to serve the demographic. And they're a very successful and highly profitable business. I think when I realized that that's what was happening, I just 
changed the way that I interacted with all Christian yeah. merchandise. And it it happened early for me, like right after high school and in college, I just stopped going to like the disciple shop, the parable, the the Christian local bookstore, because it it was like, you know, I said earlier, like I just kind of had this idea that this was just like a beautiful Christian community thing. When I was given information and told that it wasn't, that this was kind of just a money grab, it made me sad. Like it really made me sad. We just were programmed to absorb bullshit. We're just told that if we're godly enough and that if we wear a cross necklace or if we keep our purity or if we have the right teen Bible, that all of those external consumerist-based things are going to somehow prove our salvation or help us retain our salvation. And when you make your relationship with Jesus, a consumer-based relationship, it just changes things. It changes them. Um, and it, it, for me, it turned it really gross. But then I realized that the furthest thing for me from Jesus was Christian marketing, the absolute furthest thing. Like He was never a person who announced himself, right? Yeah. And when people started wearing the what would Jesus do bracelets, it just it like it it didn't excite me in that way or like the T-shirts. None of that excited me. It it turned me off to it. It made it feel cheapened. It made it like, I don't know, it was just gross. Like, what did you have a disillusionment time, Lindsay or Sarai? Like, what was it that took you? I mean, I know Lindsay was a ride or die just because you two jobs at a Christian bookstore feels like a lot. Yeah. But <laughs> way to call me out on that. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> well, I definitely I didn't have a lot of spending money, you know, as a kid and young adult even. So I didn't have the things like I wanted as a kid child, I wanted stuff. Like I wanted that shirt I mentioned that I still think about. It was a Jesus fish swimming the opposite direction from all these other fishes with like X's in their eyes, so they're dead. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. it's like a environmental disaster happened and Jesus fish got away. Like, it's actually kind of poignant if you really think about the evangelical approach to environmentalism, which is burn it up and use it up because then Jesus will come back. But anyway, I wanted that kind of stuff. I like, I thought it was interesting and cool. And I'd go to the Christian bookstore and like browse and want things. And I didn't buy a lot of them. So I wasn't really like a big consumer of those things, except for sure Christian music. But I stopped using Christian bookstores a really long time ago, like certainly before I went to college, because by the time I got to college, I discovered Columbia House. And, Mm. you know, as most people who grew up in this country in the 90s, at, at minimum, cut my mail fraud teeth on Columbia House freaking stamp things you'd send in with. I want this 15 CDs for $1 and then you can send me one every month for $9,000 above retail price. It was the shipping and handling, right? That's where they got you? Oh, yeah. So expensive. Also, this is aging us. Like, (laughs) if you are listening and you do not know what we are talking about, it's because we are old. And we're talking about (laughs) CDs that get mailed to your home. discs. With music on them. CD mailer. Well, to me, it would come to my college mailbox and I'd go and be like, ooh, another CD. 
I had a I lot. I loved that shit. I, a lot. Yes. Of yes. CDs. A lot of them. And it was that that actually allowed me to do that. I didn't even buy them from Christians. I bought them from fucking Columbia House because it was supposedly cheap. But I also got into like a lot of credit card debt from that. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, it was. I forget how exactly it worked, but it ended up sounded like a really good deal and was decidedly not a really good yeah. deal. It's like kind yeah. of how all things have become subscription now. Like all of me, all of commerce has been like, you know what the best way, the best business model subscription. And yeah. now we're just all on the hook for 9,000 subscriptions, all individual for everything all the time. But Columbia House really, really broke the ground for bringing that sure nonsense sure home did. and making all that money. So good job. Way to take our money. Yeah. yeah. And I guess they got more of my money than Christian bookstores. Although I've always been a fan of Testaments. You know, they're funny. It's hilarious to eat a mint with a little cross. And just because it's a pun, I support it. Testa mints. If you eat a testament, do you have the breath of heaven? Oh! <laughs> wow. Really oh, that came to me. That just came to me. The that Lord gave me that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love when you oh, get touched you. by the spirit. <laughs> God thing. Such a God thing. Okay, so my uh, dally into Christian bookstores was it was really for the music. Like, I discovered MXPX on a, it was like a now that's what they call music mix, but like the Christian version. Yeah. I don't yeah, remember. Yeah. They wow. might have just made one. I think they called them wow. I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. And I heard MX the nail like compilation no, CD or no, it wasn't Tooth and Nail. Oh. It was like all Christian music, but there happened to be an MXPX song on it. They you just changed. threw some punk on like because a- it was Christian. Yeah, go for safe it. for the whole family. So that changed my life. And literally, I was like, I have never heard music like this. And then I could go and I could buy any. So I just started buying. I bought two. I bought MXPX, and I think next was like Slick Shoes and. I just started buying everything to the nail. And because it came from the Christian bookstore, my mom did not bet an eye. She was a little worried at the beginning about the sound of it. But then, you know, I had I showed her the lyrics. We were good to go. So then she stopped asking questions after a couple. I just got to buy them all. And it was just, it opened my eyes to a different world. And so I think I was really loyal to Christian bookstores for a long time because there was no fights with the parents. Mm. There was truly some good music. And there was stuff like I always like held things. I always rolled my eyes at stuff. I did not buy any of the Thomas Kincaid stuff. I don't even think – I know I had a couple Christian t-shirts, but mostly like I had my DC Talk t-shirt. It was mostly band stuff. I do know I had a No Fear one yeah. with a fish on it, something like that. But I definitely didn't go down the like all the soda knockoff t-shirts, the like – uh, there was one that was like instead of Sprite, it was Spirit, and it was like something about like how your hunger and thirst for righteousness, you know, like shit like that. Never, yeah. I never wanted any of those. So even when I worked there, I thought most of it was really cheesy. Yeah, yeah. But the good parts, like the music, I was I was into. I was like, I'm here for the discounts. And then when I, I moved up to Oregon for a hot minute, interned with a church, which I think I've told you guys about a little bit, how they gave me like no money yeah. and ended up because they gave me no money. I worked at a – I had some history at a Christian bookstore, so then I just got hired at another Christian bookstore up here. And it was in a mall, and that was a dark time. I think mm-hmm. at that point I was like over it. I think that like I had found better ways to discover music. It was also during the holidays. It was just 
bonkers. And like the grumpy like Karens that would come in and would be mad because I didn't have whatever thing they were looking for to buy their pastor husband. You know, they everyone was just mean and it was not good. And so I think that like I washed my hands and walked away. At that point, I was not – I don't remember buying a single thing from that Christian bookstore. I was just in a different mindset. So, yeah, I never had this like – I mean, you have like the nicest heart where you just like got grossed out by the capitalism and all. I just thought it was cheesy and I thought it was not cool and I was too cool to wear it. <laughs> I was offended by the capitalism, but that's kind of the phase I've been in since most of my life. So whoops. Yeah, Yeah, me and capitalism, we have a – the problem is, is that like I'm a real type A go-getter and like I've always struggled with like I am good at making money if I really want to and which is not a bad thing, but man – really wrestling with like what that means. I mean, now I'm like, oh, cool. We're living in late stage, like capitalist hellscape. That's a fun time. So very much on the opposite side. But yeah, Christianity taught me to be a pretty good little capitalist, like for a long time. It was, they're very much in bed together. But look, we're coming up to the holiday time. Like this is a big consumerism time in America. And I think it's like one of the things that we were talking about before recording this is like, this is something that we haven't had a reckoning for in, in Christian culture. There has not been somebody who has come out and stood up to Christians and said, uh, you know, we got to stop this bullshit. Like, this is not the Jesus of the Bible. This is not the Jesus that I was certainly raised with. But like, how do we change that for ourselves? Like coming out of Christianity for me meant that I lost a lot. I lost a lot of my community. I lost a lot of family. And with that, a lot of traditions and a lot of things that I really enjoyed growing up as a kid. But now I'm looking at these holidays and I'm going, is this all just about spending money and being stressed? Like, why? Why are we doing that? Like, what can we do differently now so that we're not caught in the same trap of consumerism for like, I don't know, celebrating Jesus's birthday? It's fucking weird. I mean, we get to make different decisions. What's funny is I, I feel like one of the things we do is I do this a lot, and I think you're doing it right now, which is like, I've got a bone to pick with your theology about your religion because I'm not in it anymore. But when I was, I was like, this doesn't make sense, right? Because it doesn't. It makes Mm-mm. sense according to American culture. I mean, even bringing it back to he gets us, like that whole ad is predicated on he did hard work and hard work and nothing's handed to him. And as I keep saying, and as you heard, <laughs> because you listened to it, but the pieces around that, like that we're, I guess, hiding, obfuscating underneath this sense of like hard work is good. Like Jesus is a hard worker. You should like him because he also works hard for you is just really playing on poor white people to pit them against somebody else. Part of it is that this hard work, not having an inheritance, continues being about money. Mm -hmm. The whole ad is still about money. And it's about having or having not that money. And what really matters, you know, your friends. It's it's this thing that Christianity does where it's like putting off your well-being from today to when you go to heaven. And at the same time, like trying to make you feel like you need to have something more like that when we talk about build wealth we're talking about investing in the right things you know wealth in heaven and well, that kind of stuff and this is ironic because it's paid for by fucking billionaires who are like well i've got everything but jesus understands hard work <laughs> like all right it just it also doesn't make any sense like if 
you read anything that Jesus ever said. It is so contrary to what American Christianity looks like. He told people to give all of their wealth away. He told people that it is harder for a rich person to get into heaven than like for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Is that right? Am I getting yeah, that? Yeah. No, I that's that right. right. Yeah, that's uh, right. I pulled that out of my <laughs> the the part of my brain that still holds on to scriptures. Today's Christians hoard wealth. And they're maybe sneakier about it. I think the younger, like the Christian influencers of it all, it's not the like billionaire Republican thing as much. I mean, those certainly exist. But I mean, like, I want to look at like the Christian influencers, the people who are out there trying to make Jesus famous, right? Mm -hmm. I noticed it a lot with my sister was in YWAM and a lot of her YWAM friends, They when they started having babies, all their babies looked perfect. Every Instagram thing was – everything was so picture perfect. Their furniture was all mid-century modern. Their clothes were all, you know, Werner Herzog's like sad beige children clothing. I don't know. It's just like – do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> the like all oh, natural fun. fibers and all yeah. organic, whatever. It's, it just feels like what you actually worship is consumerism. You, there's no Jesus in – any of that, it's a lot sneakier now than I feel like it used to be. And I think that um, maybe people, influencers aren't going on and saying like, you need to build yourself up by your bootstraps. But there is a, there's a certain like the haves and the have nots. And I don't see a lot of calls for social uh, or racial justice or using your money to help those. They use their money to help themselves. And maybe their church, they put it into their, their church. church so that they can have a nicer building and cuter rugs. So now that we know that all the things in Christian bookstores can never fill us up. As we're thinking about this next holiday season, what's on your grown-up Christmas list? <laughs> right? <laughs> no more wars torn apart. Wait, no more lives torn apart. Lives no, no more lives torn apart. No more that wars 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 would never start. No, <laughs> that wars would never start. Yep. And time would heal all hearts. No. Yeah. yeah. Our hearts. Time will heal our hearts. Yeah. That everyone would have a friend. Love will always win. Let's change it to love will always always win. win. Let's love will always win. We can change hashtag hashtag Amy's an ally. Uh, Hashtag aim. (laughs) We stand a woke queen, bitch. I would like her to do a re-release with new words. Uh huh. Do you want to know what's actually on my grown-up Christmas list? Yeah, I actually do. I would like a ceasefire in Gaza. I would like healthcare for all. Mm-hmm. I would like paid maternity and paternity leave. Oh, yes. I would like student loan debt relief. And mm-hmm. I would like teachers to be paid better. I could go on. Yeah. I love the I love that list. I'd say let's protect reproductive rights for everyone. Mm, that yep. we all get bodily autonomy, that trans people are allowed to exist without having their genitals inspected regularly by people who need to get the fuck out of their way. Um, I also want housing. I want every soul to have a place to sleep. Hell yes. That's not much. I would like a president that isn't an old white man. Oh my God. That'd be crazy. Wouldn't that be nice? I would like, uh, everyone to just love who they want to love and people stay out of their business. That'd be cute. Yeah. I think the Lord has heard all of our wishes and all of our prayers and, I mean, Santa probably heard those as well. So if you're a Santa Claus believer, I think we have a pretty good shot, honestly. I think that these are all the things that all the little boys and girls in the world will benefit from. And kids. Non-binary kids, too. 
apologies to our Lord and Savior, Amy Grant. Really, in all truthfulness, clearly, we believe in all these things that we just said. We are frustrated by the American system of capitalism that evangelicals continue to uphold. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. If you read the words of Jesus and if you truly live out your faith, or if you have no faith at all, you realize that uh, empty consumerism and buying into capitalism is not helping you and it's not helping anybody else. Like trickle down, that shit doesn't happen. And we live in a world that is very fraught and things are hard, really hard. Like the amount of people that are living paycheck to paycheck, I feel like right now, going into this holiday season, I feel like every year, especially since the pandemic, every year I'm like, man, this year people are really hanging on by a thread. And mm-hmm. I keep waiting for that feeling to go away. And it has not gone away. And every year it honestly seems to be worse. And people who have good jobs and make decent amount of money are still living paycheck to paycheck because we do not have safety nets. We do not live in a world where we are taking – our government sure shit does not take care of us. And – Thank God for mutual aid because we are doing our best to take care of each other. But even that, like, there's burnout in that. Like we uh, we believe in these things and taking care of one another and and community. And so I just I want to remind everybody that like rest is a radical act, mm-hmm. and that going into the holidays and whatever it is that like you do not have to participate in these systems and you do not have to uphold these traditions and you do not have to uphold capitalism. Like do what is best for you and protect your peace and rest. If you can find moments of rest, five moments of joy, create new traditions, hang out with your chosen family, like ditch your real family if you have to. Like it's it's not worth it. And I'm saying this as a person who's I am I feel like I'm learning this in real time. Like yeah. I have uh, the holidays last year almost killed me. It was yeah. too much. Yeah. And so I'm blowing it up this year. I'm really trying to do things differently. And um, I implore you all to do the same. I am so excited to see how um, refreshed you feel after a holiday season of not being the queen of all the things for everyone. Tell people what your Thanksgiving plan is because it's radically different from what you normally do. Yeah, we all did different uh, Thanksgiving things. You had plans and now you've switched that to, you know, be kind to yourself. I'm not cooking Thanksgiving dinner. I decided to go out. I scrapped everything and grandpa's paying and we're going to like not a fancy restaurant. Like frankly, it's going to be fine. But you know what? I can sleep in on Thanksgiving. I am not checking off my shopping list right now. I'm not brining a turkey right now. I'm not even cleaning my house. It's, yes. I'm not having – it's so – yeah, it's it's really freeing. And it was hard for me at per, first as a person who loves to cook and who loves to host. But I had to really – investigate that. Like, do I love it? Because Mm -hmm. the amount of stress I do, but I think more when it's on my terms, right? Like when I feel emotionally healthy enough to do that and I'm not there right now, I'm not, I can't, especially when I found out my siblings couldn't come. I was like, that was it. I was like, (laughs) all right, I'm out. (laughs) So yeah, it's okay to change it up. The American grind will get you. And I've been in that grind a really long time. And let me tell you, grinding has, it is only like destroyed. That's what happens. Well, I hope everyone can get inspired by your change up of plans um, and and do something to preserve their peace this season. I certainly am doing that myself, and it has really made a huge difference um, to just know that I can choose 
a safe place for myself and that that means that it's a safe place for other people, other marginalized people in my life who haven't really had a voice. And so uh, we celebrated Damsgiving this year. We did it the weekend before uh, Thanksgiving. And I don't give a damn about Thanksgiving anymore. It just it was so lovely to be able to just be with our people, not have the stress of the traveling days and the the food things like everyone just pitched in and we all just spent time together chopping shit and cooking food and enjoying it together. And um, to me, it's the best parts of being together and being in community. So I decided I wasn't going to have everybody, you know, potluck style, bring a bunch of random things. I just wanted to have a meal. I wanted to have all the food. And then I just wanted everyone to be together and to not worry about, you know, money that they had to spend or like just travel, get here and just exist. And um, it was really beautiful. And I am exhausted in a way that is so invigorating and gave me so much joy and made me really excited for like the next holiday season that's coming up. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do to celebrate the solstice, winter, holiday, Christmas season, but Happy holidays to everybody, and I don't care what you do. Just please take care of you this season. Yeah, be, be good to yourself. And enter to win a real Thomas Kincaid original art piece by joining our Patreon. I lied. That's not a real thing we're giving away. We're not really doing that. If I had a keyboard in front of me right now, I would be playing the opening strains of I have wandered many moonless nights. Oh, so good, guys. And I feel like as you're playing those opening notes, we could talk over it and just say, please follow us on Instagram and TikTok. Join our Facebook group or follow us on YouTube. Uh, Join our Patreon. We do fun things like High Times with the Most High where we get high and talk about the Lord or Amy Grant or whatever it is that we talk about when we're high, but it's all the fun things. Merry fucking Christmas. No, we don't say Merry Christmas. We say Happy Holidays. That's right. Jesus fucking Christ. Is who the ad's about. We're going to make him famous.